Tonight's passage comes from Psalm 63, verses 1 to 8, beginning at verse 1. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you, I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. Good evening again, everyone. I didn't introduce myself before, but uh, my name's Travis. For those who I haven't met, I am one of the pastors here. If you've jumped in uh, as part of uh, Naomi's baptism, uh, it's a really great night to actually join us because we're not in the middle of a series. We've just got a one-off message tonight. And and I want to bring us back to something that is, I think, something really core and really foundational for the Christian life. But before we get there, I would love it if you could turn to someone that was near you and just answer this question. Who is someone that you love being with? And what is it about being with them that you love? Who is someone that you love being with? And what is it about being with them that you love? Just spend 30 seconds with the person next to you just exploring the answer to that one. All right, that's a a good hubbub of conversation. Chances are that was an easy question to answer. Our minds automatically go to somebody and we think about what it means to actually spend time in their presence. And I'm willing to, to bet, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'm willing to bet that most of us thought of somebody that we have some level of relationship with. I'm imagining not many of you turned to the person next to you and said, oh, I just love being in the presence of Tom Cruise when I watch his movies online. Or I love being in the presence of my favourite podcaster when I listen to their podcast in the car. We think of relationships. We think of a friend or a a work colleague or a family member, maybe a, a romantic interest. And in the context of that relationship, we are acutely aware, aren't we, of the impact that spending time with that person has on us. For some of us, it might be, we just have so much fun when we hang out with that person and we manage to entertain ourselves so much. It might be the things that you do together and the the memories that you make. Uh, I remember when I was dating uh, my now wife, she would talk about one of her friends and every time they hung out, they'd go on some adventure, they'd do something, they'd see something. Like that was who that friend was to Kay. There are other people that we meet and we spend time with and we just can't help come away feeling cared for and, and nurtured, maybe, maybe listened to and, and understood. Others of us have experience with others where we get left feeling encouraged and built up, invested in, maybe believed in. Well, whatever it is, I want us to have that little conversation and the answer to those questions as a backdrop to tonight's message. Because tonight I want to talk about what it means to live in and with the presence of God. And just like my question before, what we're talking about is centred in relationship. This beautiful, life-changing relationship that Naomi has celebrated today. This relationship where we have this loving creator God who is our redeemer, our healer, our saviour, our loving heavenly father. We, his children, and he's the God who is here, present, rich in mercy, 
abounding in love, powerful and sovereign and near. So I'd actually love to pray and actually centre our hearts around that very thought before we go any further. So would you join me in praying? Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for being here present in this room and in our lives. God, I recognise that as I give this message, as we listen and engage with this message, you are with us, like you are always with us. And so in our relentlessly busy lives, God, we pause and we stop to refocus on that beautiful truth. In our minds, it can be so distracted and going this way and that way, we refocus to celebrate and to delight in and to embrace that truth that you are here. God, for our hearts that so often are, are fickle and run after this and that and the other, we, we refocus them and we centre ourselves again in this beautiful truth that you are real, that you are here, that you are with us. And so, Father, as your children, we just want to declare that you are welcome in this place. You are welcome in our lives. Our lives are so enriched because you are at the centre of them. Let us never forget that. Amen. Started getting the message there. That's okay. The premise of today's message is really simple, and that is this, that God is and he delights being present with us. God is and he delights in being present with us. If you are a note taker, you can write that one down. From the opening pages of scriptures all the way through to the end, we read of a God who presences himself among his people. He doesn't have to do this. He doesn't need to do this. He is not being coerced into doing this, but this is the deliberate chosen activity of a God who wants to, who longs to, who delights in being present with his people. The scriptures open with this picture of God hovering amongst his creation, of breathing life, his breath into, we'll call it you and I, but Adam in the opening chapters of Genesis. We see him working alongside Adam to name all the creatures that have been created and walking in the cool of the evening, this wonderful companionship and fellowship with the first humans. And as we look towards the end of all things, as we get to the end of our scriptures, we have this picture of a God in Revelation 21 who loves to dwell with his people, who's going to dwell with them in such rich intimacy and such tangible expression that there's no need to even be light. So sorry, solar panel people like that. That's for this age. In the age to come, God himself will be our light. Revelation 21 is the the sort of metaphor imagery of how close God will be. That there will be no temples. We won't need to go to church because God will be so present at dwelling richly among us and that everything that is not of him will have no place there. Uh, So no death, no dying, no disease, no sadness, all of it will be gone. And in between this, we have story after story in the pages of scripture of God presencing himself among his people. Whether it's something pretty out there like a burning bush or pillars of cloud and fire leading his people. We also see it in the small whisper to a servant hiding out in a cave. We see it in dreams and visions as people are brought up into the presence of God that way. We see God bring his presence to certain specific places at times that people might come and worship him and experience him in the tabernacle, in the wanderings, and then in the temple. We see God's spirit rest on people with specific callings as well, prophets, priests, judges, kings. And then we turn into the New Testament and we see God actually entering human history as one of us, to be among us. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And does anyone remember Jesus' last words from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28? Do you remember what he says? 
Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, this promise of a saviour who then sends his Holy Spirit to live in us, to be with us, that we would experience his presence day by day, no matter what we are experiencing or where we are. And so for the Bible reading believer, we come away with this sense of it being as plain as daylight. God is the God who is present with us. And God is the God who delights in being present with us. And so the question is never for us, is God present here in this moment? Or is God at work? The questions become, am I aware of his presence in this moment? Do I believe that he is here and at work? And what would change if I did? So tonight we're going to do a couple of things throughout the message so you're not just listening to me, but actually starting to step into this stuff. And the first one is, I actually love it if you spent time thanking God for his presence with you. Now, I'd like you to do that in three ways. One is to thank God for the way that he has been with you in the past. You can pray that as a, as a general prayer, or you can think of maybe a specific time where God really met you in a difficult place. Then thank God for the way he's with you in this season of life in the midst of whatever it is that you're facing, which would include those HSC exams, which would be good. And we also want to thank God for the way he will continue to be with you, no matter what your future holds. So I'm not going to do this publicly. I'm just going to give you, say, 43 seconds to actually just spend some time with God and to actually just center yourself and to actually thank him, to recognize that he has been, he is, and he always will be present in your life. So why don't you just spend that time and actually thank him for being present. Thank you, Father. If you want to continue that prayer later, please feel free to. But you get this sense that God's people worked this out, and they lived from this place. I think one of the most beautiful psalms that we have is Psalm 139, and in verse 7, there's this lovely declaration from the psalmist where he just says, where can I go from your spirit? And that's not a, I'm trying to get away from you, God, and you won't let me go. Like, this is a celebration. Like, like where can I go from your spirit? Where could I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens... There you are. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And we have Jesus' words in Matthew 28, verse 20, and Paul's encouragement to the church in Corinth in chapter 3, that do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So God is and he delights in being present with us. But I want to talk to those who agree with what I've been saying so far, that God is and he delights in being with us. But I want to speak to those who maybe don't know how to personalise it or believe it for themselves, who find it actually a lot harder to say that God delights in being present with me. You know, I think it's so easy for us to feel insignificant or unworthy thinking that, I don't know, God's presence is maybe for the super spiritual ones or the holy ones or the ones who have their lives all together. haven't met one of those yet, but we somehow think that they're out there and not really for me. But the truth of the scripture and how God is revealed is that he is with and he delights in being with you. Not just us, but you. And this next bit is a bit of obedience for me, so go with it. So what I'd love us to do, if you're comfortable, is to actually speak this out loud. 
I think there's enormous power in speaking truth, and I think there's a dangerous power to speaking truth and repeating it until it actually gets from here all the way down to here. So I want us to repeat the phrase, God is and he delights in being present with me. So I had to come up with a number, and I read the Bible, and seven seemed like a good one. <laughs> so if you're not familiar with the Bible, there's a lot of sevens, and it's, uh, it's the number of completeness. And so we're going to say it out loud, and we're going to repeat it, and you'll be like, it's a bit weird, but okay. We'll repeat it again, you'll be like, getting a bit more awkward now. We'll repeat it again, and then maybe we'll allow it to start to move us. We'll repeat it again, maybe even slower, and allow the significance of this statement to actually strike a chord with you. We'll repeat it again, and hopefully we'll start to feel the conviction of that truth settling deep within us, and then finally to feel the confidence of that truth start to feel like solid ground under our feet that we can actually build our lives on. So of course, if you are uncomfortable with this, you do not need to participate in in any way, shape or form in it. You can whisper it. You can say it internally in your head. You can join me and keep pace with me doing it. That is up to you. I actually just believe that God actually wants to minister to some people in this room through this exercise. So would you join me? God is and delights in being present with me. God is and delights in being present with me. God is and delights in being present with me. God is and delights in being present with me. God is and delights in being present with me. God is and delights in being present with me. God is and delights in being present with me. If you need to stay a bit longer in that moment with God, please do. Don't let me interrupt what he is doing. So if God is truly with us always, then surely we're meant to live in light of that. And this is where this lovely idea of practicing the presence of God comes in. Now, I don't know about you, that's a really odd phrase, practicing the presence of God. I know what it is to practice a musical instrument. I used to know what it was like to practice at a sport. Even when we think through about habit formation, we know what it is to practice. We can practice good eating habits, and we can practice good exercising habits, or so I've been told. But the idea of practicing the at the presence of God, seems a bit odd. Can we actually do that? Uh, and the idea was made uh, quite, quite famous by a 17th century monk from France called Brother Lawrence. And the idea behind this just was that idea that we actually need to learn how to cultivate an ongoing awareness of God's presence. That actually, at first, it feels maybe a little bit harder. Maybe we're used to living life kind of without an awareness of or not looking for the ways that God is present and at work in our lives until we come to something like this when we're like, oh yeah, when we worship and when we gather around the word, well yeah, yeah, God God is present in my life and God is present in this world. So it's actually something that we almost need to give ourselves to. Cultivating this 
idea of an ongoing awareness of his presence. So Brother Lawrence wasn't a particularly, uh, <laughs> didn't have glamorous jobs uh, in, in the monastery. And so his idea was, how do I actually find and cultivate and live in this awareness of God's presence in my life in even the mundane stuff, the washing of the dishes, the chores that I had to do as part of the monastery. And he gets to this place where he, he feels that he is living in and with God at all moments of the day. Uh, and he describes that that life is a life filled with intimacy and hidden joy. And I love this quote from him. He gets this place in his life where he's like, I cannot imagine how religious persons can live satisfied without the practice of the presence of God. And what he's saying is, I can't imagine how religious persons can live satisfied without being aware of and experiencing the God who is with them. For my part, he says, I keep myself retired with him in the depth of the center of my soul as much as I can. And while I am so with him, I I fear nothing. And in that moment, even the least turning away from him uh, is insupportable. I can't can't even imagine. I can't stomach the thought of even being away from him. Uh, And so one of the questions I did have was to think through what you have found helpful in becoming aware of God's presence throughout the day. And I'm not just talking about those structured, quiet times. I'm like, like throughout the day, in your workplace, in your friendship groups, in your getting up routine, in your going to bed routine, what have you found to be helpful in becoming aware of God's presence throughout the day? Because that is what it means to actually step into this place of practicing the presence of God. So just a few little things to throw in the mix for you. Is I love the fact that some people will actually write things around their house or they'll keep it in their wallets. A key verse, a memory verse, uh, an identity statement that the scriptures declare over us. So every time we open our wallet or we get into a car or we, we see the mirror in our, in our um, ensuite or main bathroom, whatever it is your mirrors are, um, there's this reminder of who God says you are and it brings an awareness of him into your day. I know that for some people they need to unplug from technology from this, that actually it's the moment that we're away from our devices and their devices' intrusion in our lives that we can be still enough to actually be open to listening and hearing from God and being aware of his presence with us. So one of my little challenges for you guys uh, in the next week or two is at some point just deliberately leave your phone in your car when you head into a shopping centre. Because if you're like me, as soon as you're in a queue or you're waiting for somebody, you fill the time by opening the phone and flipping through whatever, right? You'll still feel that urge, but the phone will be in the car and it will jog your memory to remind you to think not of what's on Facebook or Instagram, but to actually think about the God who is present with you in that place. Yes, even shopping centres, God is there, I've been told, and I've experienced it for myself. But by the same token, don't be afraid to use technology in this as well. There are apps that help us pray or meditate on scripture or or read scripture. You can use apps that can actually push notifications on your phone so that throughout the day there's verses popping up or or reminders of something popping up. Uh, I love people who use alarms to remind themselves to pray in the midst of their workday and actually invite God into that space and be aware of his presence with people and with them in that place. The other one which I think is really great is to tie it to an activity. So if there's one particular activity that you do often or or regularly during the day, make that the activity that you like. Whenever I do this, it's going to jog my memory to think about the fact that God is with me and that God is here. And whatever that is for you, just build that into your life. Does this make sense? These are like just like a sprinkling of ideas. If you want more ideas, just Google practicing the presence of God. There's an enormous amount about thinking through and cultivating an ongoing awareness that God is present with us.
But I wanted to pick up the reading that Celeste read to us. This is Psalm 63. I think this kind of maps us out a little bit of a pathway for growing in this stuff. So Psalm 63, I think it starts with desire. It always has to start with desire. We actually have to want God. We actually need to desire being in his presence. We need to desire experiencing and being aware of his presence in the day-to-day. This desire often comes from a previous experience that we have of God. And so for David, writing in the desert, he says, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And he goes on to say that I've seen you in the sanctuary, and beheld your power and glory. So this desire that he has to experience God, this desire he has for God, is actually based on something he has already experienced of God and an encounter that he has had with God in the past. I find often it's those things that fuel our desire for more. We experience God and we want more of him. We see him bring freedom and we want more of that freedom. We know just the beauty of sitting at his feet in worship and so we want to get back there as many times and as often as we can. Does that make sense? To three people, it's good. There, a few more people? All right. So it often starts with a desire. Is that that thing within us that goes, you know what, I actually do want to live in this stuff. I do want to experience this. I do want to be the kind of believer in Jesus that knows that he is with me and that I'm filled with his spirit. And that's not just confined to spiritual retreat times or youth camps or when we gather together for worship nights, but that in every day, I want to know that he is with me. And I think we build on that with rhythms and practices. And, and this is David again. He's someone who obviously goes up to the temple. So there is a rhythm in his life of seeking out God in that place and choosing to glorify God. You know, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. In your name, I'll lift up my hands and I'll be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my, I don't know what else could sing. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. So there's this conscious decision that David has that part of my expression of this desire for God is going to come out in these ways. I'm going to go to the temple. I'm going to, I'm going to praise him. I'm not going to be discontent, but I'm going to be one of those kind of people that are, that, are, that, are, that are filled with gratitude and actually satisfied with my lot in life and particularly satisfied in light of who God is for me. And then I think what happens is as this desire starts to get built into these rhythms and practices in our lives that make us aware of God who is with us, that it starts to get to that place where Brother Lawrence is at, where it permeates our every waking moment. And so David is able to say then, so on my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. So he's gone all throughout the day, even deep into the night. His thoughts are of God and he clings to God, not just in the hard times, not just the times where he really needs God, but this has become his default position. And we hear that obviously David is a man after God's own heart. Beautiful every waking moment that permeates us. We're aware of who God is. I think we need to deliberately cultivate this awareness of God in our lives. Otherwise, we reduce encountering him to specific times and specific locations, which is falling so far short of the biblical picture of Emmanuel, God who is with us. It is a a poor stewarding of who we are, these living temples that God is dwelling all the time in and through his Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Does it excite you a little bit? 
It excites you that there is nowhere that you can go where you won't or can't experience the presence of God. There is no situation that you'll face in which God is not already present and at work. I think it's pretty cool. And so I want to land on this point, that we need to start seeing ourselves as carriers of his presence. Because we are living temples. That's the scripture's words, not mine. We are living temples that God is dwelling in by his Holy Spirit. So literally, wherever you are, you are carrying his presence with you. Does that image pick up anything from the Old Testament for you, carrying his presence? The ark, yep. If anyone knows any of the stories of the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, it is this awesome, mythical, brilliant, whatever. It's cool. Uh, You should should go back and read it. Just Google it and you can find the Bible verses and you can read it. But it, it represented the very presence of God among his people and it was carried around. And and wherever the Ark of the Covenant, or they sometimes just refer to it as the presence, wherever the presence was, just wild things happened, man. Like like victories got won, uh, uh, Peace came to cities, people who touched it died. We'll gloss over some of the things. Hopefully people won't die when they... they well, maybe dead in sin. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, pushing it too far. But I think actually we need to see ourselves as carriers of his presence. Almost, it's a rough parallel, but almost in the same way as the Ark of the Covenant. In the same way that wherever the presence of God went, just cool, supernatural, God stuff happened. Shouldn't that be true of our lives? That wherever we go, because we carry his presence, because God is at work, cool stuff happens. Uh, Or we have opportunities to pray for people to get a job who are new to the country or or whatever it is. Uh, And God hears and answers and is at work and does wonderful things. I think that's really cool. I read this quote this week that was was from from a conference. And the guy was speaking about church in 2019. And he said, it's a shame when people come to church looking for God and only find us. And I thought, yeah, (laughs) that is a disappointment. (laughs) Together we are supposed to be this group of living stones being built into this living temple where God dwells by his Holy Spirit. And my prayer and my hope for you is if you're visiting with us tonight, that you have a sense not just of a group of people sitting in chairs, facing forward, doing it because they like doing it or they're used to doing it in agreement with what each other thinks. But actually we gather together in the name of Jesus, excited by the fact that he is a living God who is real and who is with us uh, and hopefully had a, a little bit of a, maybe a tangible sense of that or certainly seemed to see that for some people there was something going on beyond a purely a human endeavour. And because we believe that God is here and that he is real and that he is moving and that he longs to encounter us with his love and he longs to draw us deeper into relationship. And what is true corporately, hear this, also needs to be true individually. So in the same way that we would expect people to come into the life of our church and have a sense of transcendence, that God is present with us, I would love it if every person here in their workplaces, in their school, in their family, in their friendship groups, when people met you and they talked to you and they saw the way that you lived and how you handled criticism or heartbreak, they would see something of God in you. And at the very least, there would be curiosity there for them to ask and to find out more. But see yourself as a carrier of his presence because, brothers and sisters, that is what you are. God is present with you and he delights in being present with you and my hope 
Uh, and my prayer is that all of us have such a passion for this that the words of Moses could easily have been ours. Moses speaks to God and he says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And if you know the story in Exodus 33, God has just promised Moses a win. He's going to lead the people to the promised land. He's going to be the leader of leaders. He's going to have a fruitful and a successful life. But because of some stuff that other people did, God himself would not go with them. And Moses says, that's not enough for me. I want you, God. I know that what makes me distinct, what makes us distinct, is you being with us, in the midst of us. I want to read God's response to Moses. I almost read it over us. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Brothers and sisters, as I read the scriptures, because of what Jesus has done, God is pleased with you. And he knows you by name. He is and he delights in being present with you. So my heart and my prayer for you is that you would grow into an ever-increasing awareness of his presence in your life. That you would listen, that you would respond, that you would be ministered to, that you would show that presence to others wherever you go. Mm. What an exciting picture of what it means to be church and his people.